searching. You may not even be sure, but, but the Lord says he's, he's calling you into something. And, and we know from Scripture and our relationship with God is that those who hunger for more of God will be satisfied, says God. But those who do not hunger for him, life will be empty. So today what I'm, what I'm doing in this message is a closing message of our series called Supernatural is I'm really, I'm really wanting to whet your appetite for more of the life has got, that God has got for you, each one of you. doesn't matter what your age is, doesn't matter what your stage is, doesn't matter where you are in your faith journey, doesn't matter what your circumstances are, I feel today God is calling you into a place of more, more of him. So this, as I said, is the closing message for our series, uh, Supernatural. We started it in June. And you'll notice in the heading on the screen is that I purposely put a hyphen in a word that doesn't normally have a hyphen in it. And the reason I did this is I wanted to try and communicate that our natural needs to become super. What my desire is, is that our natural, normal, everyday life are supposed to demonstrate what God has been doing uh, in the Bible and what he wants to do through our lives. We want his life to be repurposed uh, through our lives. And so I would ask this, I would say, what if our life was filled, our normal life was filled with the miracles of God? What would our town look like? What would your family look like? What would your workplace look like? What would our community look like if each one of us had a supernatural life where every day was filled with the miraculous provision of God? See, miracles are those things. That, that the, the reason that it's called supernatural is, and a miracle is that the, 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 the cause of the outcome can only be attributed to God. So if someone gets physically healed before your eyes, say someone has a deformed hand that they haven't used since they were born and it suddenly grows out and becomes strong before your eyes, that's a miracle, right? There's only one way you can explain that. That's God. When a person who has been blind since birth is healed and they can suddenly see, that's a miracle. Now the only way you can explain that is God did a miracle. This is a supernatural life. This is the life that God's calling us into. But the, the flip side of that, just to get logical about things, is if you, if you think about God, however you know him, that's his normal world. It's not supernatural for God, it's just natural. And what I feel God is saying to us in the series is that he wants his normal to be our normal, his natural to be our natural, that we would be supernatural, but that would become our normal. And this is why I've purposely put the subtitle on the series, Living the Life Everyone is Supposed to Enjoy. Why do I say that? Well, because that's what the Bible tells us. Evidence and the Bible confirms that God calls every single believer into a life of relationship with him to live like him. What Jesus did, he said, you will do even greater if you have faith. No excuse, no exclusion, no hierarchy, everyone. Each person is created in God's image. And his desire is that they would be connected with him in relationship. And then from that place of relationship, they would live in the way that he's prepared for them. 
This is a life that we would demonstrate God to others by the way we live, by the, by the way we love, by the way we serve, by the way we offer to reach out and to help with a supernatural intention. That's why I keep doing these testimonies every Sunday. Because I'm trying to build faith. I'm trying to build an expectation that like um, Laura shared, you'd pray for someone in a car park. You know, like Paul shared the other week about things that are happening in their workplace, that they're hearing about things happening. That we would see on Facebook people testifying to miracles of their back being healed because they were in an environment with us where faith was normal. Evidence of God working. And I want us to see that. I want that to be our natural. I mean, more and more and more I've studied this, the more convinced I am this is actually what God wants for us. Unshakable conviction. This is our new normal. This is where we need to be as God's people. I hear God say, and you're going to hear me see it today again and again, come higher, come to a new place, reach up, ascend to the heights, live above the natural world and live in the realities of heaven. And the only way we can do that is why those songs were so powerful this morning. If you sung them, there are prayers on your lips that God would change your heart, that your heart would be aligned with his heart. But I, I guess, like, it's fair to say that not all of us live like that. I mean, not every one of my days this week was like that. And so I have to stop and consider, I have to probably admit that the life I'm living is not exactly the way God has prepared for me. Like, if I walk down the street and my shadow falls across someone, do they get healed? I didn't see that this week. And I, and, I, and I say that as a, as a challenge to me personally, but also as a conviction or an invitation. God has more for us. The way we think about things is really what shapes what we experience. And I shared this slide right at the beginning of the series, way back in June. I went back in my files and found it. It says, your perspective dictates your life experience. What you see is what you get. And that's why I'm trying to whet your appetite. I'm trying to create a, a thirst or a hunger in you for something different than what you're experiencing now. Not because your life's not good enough, but that your life could be better. That you'd walk in more freedom. You'd walk in more um, reality of God and miracles. So if you're willing to ask the question, go ahead. Is my life the way God is prepared? And if not, what am I going to do about it? I formed this whole series around this thought from this passage, and I've, I've quoted it today from the NIV. Since then, Paul says, and he writes in Colossians 3 verse 1, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things, for you died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. The NLT Bible, which is where I first found this passage and studied it years ago, says actually set your mind on the realities of heaven. Realities of heaven are supposed to be our realities. I mean, just look at this verse. I mean, I copied it from the NIV, and the NIV translators put this heading at the beginning of chapter 3. Living as those made alive in Christ. This is life that we're supposed to be living. 
And I love, I love that we can accept we've been raised with Christ. It's not an if you have or you want to be sure if you're not sure, you should sort it out. No, no. Since then, you have been. No doubt. No question. He's writing to the church. He's saying, hey, guys, you believe in Christ. Therefore, you have been raised with Christ. Because you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on the realities of heaven. We want to think like God, and we want to have a heart like God. We want to know his heart, and we want to know his ways. And that's the goal here. I mean, I'm, let me pray. Lord, as we, as we conclude this series, Lord, we ask, I'm asking that you would really build in us, create in us a thirst or a hunger for a supernatural lifestyle. God, that's only limited by how much we choose to give up control. So, Lord, help us to give up control. Help us to see what you've got for us. Help us to be convicted by the scriptures and help us to respond, God, as only you can. That our lives would represent heaven to our community. We need your help, God. And I pray today as the word of God is opened that, Lord, you would take whatever words I say, but you would anoint them with your spirit that people would receive from you. Amen. Amen. So I've titled this um, final message, Crossing Over. This is actually message number eight, which means there's seven more, uh, although last week wasn't um, live streamed uh, because it was just a, a test, a miracle Sunday, um, but we've had some really cool messages, and what I want to do today is I want to look at a passage of Scripture, um, I'm going to finish with the passage of Scripture, whether God was preparing His people to cross over, and I want to look at it because it's the Word of God, but there's some really strong themes in there for us, which is what I feel God is saying to us as a church at this time. But I want to first of all understand that, you know, we, 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 if we're crossing over, we're going from one side and we're going to the other. So we've got to go from um, the place that we were to the place that God wants us to be. There's a crossing over that happens, and I want us to look at what those are. You know, um, you'll, you'll guess where I'm going by saying this, but we don't want to camp in the acacia grove. I mean, that's a resting place, but it's not a destination. And, and so that'll make sense in a minute. So let's connect the scriptures and, and let's see what God has done to prepare us to cross over. So here we have uh, the thought of crossing over the water, crossing over the river. And that's the best I could find. It's not the River Jordan, but um, it's kind of, it's the best I got. And as a church, we're very, very aware that God has made significant promises that we're called to live a supernatural lifestyle. This is not just one day I had too much coffee and I came up with an idea. No, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that God has called us, set apart as his people, that we would represent him to the world and his normal would be our normal. We promised a supernatural lifestyle. Now, God has spoken this over our region, geographic region, Waipa region, for a very, very long time. Again, this is not just something that I made up. When I searched the archives of this church, predecessors and elders before our time have believed that God was going to pour out his spirit in a supernatural way in Te Amuru and Waipa. But it's not just this church. There are leaders across this town and across this region that diligently, faithfully meet week after week, and they've been doing so for decades. 
believing that God wants us to represent heaven in a supernatural way in this town. Not long ago, uh, several of us went out um, to Tikopua, which is just south of Prongia, and there's a, a mission station that was built there in the 1850s. And we felt that God wanted us to go and stand out there and ask him to align our hearts with the prayers of the missionaries of the 1850s. Now, there's no real records. There's a few records, but not a lot of records of what they were actually praying. But we just stood there and we said, God, you sent men and women here to share the gospel and to transform culture in the 1850s. Would you align our hearts with your heart back then? God's had this area on his heart for a long time. But we've got to accept that God's not going to just get a megaphone and go, hey, everybody. He's calling you. He's calling me. We're the message our lives are the message. That's why we do testimonies. But we're also the messengers. Without us, the message is not going to go out. So it's an invitation to cross over. You'll see on the screen there, the second point is it's imperative that we allow our hearts to be consecrated. This is a specific word that God gave us in lockdown 1.0. So remember March last year? And all of a sudden we're like, <gasps> we had to work out what lockdown looked like. Well, we were praying together on Zoom, and God was very, very clear in saying from Joshua 3, verse 5, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you will see the Lord do wonders amongst you. Joshua 3, verse 5. And we're like, well, the first part says consecrate, so we should do that. And we've been praying and praying into what does that look like? Well, it's a purification. It's a cleansing. It's an undoing of the flesh to allow the spirit to emerge. There are prophets all over the world who are saying the same thing. It's not just us, churches around New Zealand, churches around the globe saying this is a season where the church must get saved again. We must come back to our first love, the purity of our first love, to put aside complacency, to put aside comfort, to put aside the preference of the flesh. The church has to get on its knees and give its heart to the Lord afresh. Just yesterday, I was reading a book. I'm really enjoying this book I'm reading, my goodness. And, and the author says this. She says, the Lord is speaking about removing impurities, purging mixture, which is the world and the kingdom, and dealing with complacency and compromise. And he's sending the fire of his love to see God's people, especially leadership, walk in holiness. It isn't something found in a place of striving to be holy, but in a deep place of intimacy with the king. Individuals getting their hearts right before God afresh. The call to consecration. And finally, as you see on the screen, we've also know that we've received instructions to pray. I don't know how many times I bring this word, and I will keep bringing it because God hasn't changed the record we are called to pray as God's people. Now we're to pray in our car, we're to pray in our home, we're to pray as a family, but we're also to pray together corporately. We're called out to come and pray as the people of God. And it's, it's non-negotiable for me. So I'm, I'm continuing to invite you into it. We have Zoom prayer twice a week. You can pray in your jimmy jammies. It doesn't matter. 
Monday night, 7 p.m., Thursday morning, 7 a.m., on Zoom from the comfort of your home. You can even turn the camera off. You can even turn the microphone off. We gather and we pray, and there's people from different parts that are joining us now. Sunday morning's 9 o'clock. You're already putting clothes on to come to church. Why not come early? In the prayer room out in the front, come and pray from 9 o'clock and be part of what God's doing. It's God's plan for us. So, so the invitation is to prepare ourselves to cross over. Well, what are we crossing over into? Well, this is the whole point of this series. What is it that God has painted for us to come into? And you'll see four key points that I've put on here which come out of the series. The whole series is available on whichever podcast channel you want to find it. This, this idea that we're, we're, we're all called to be priests, the priesthood of all believers. Now, it's a Bible phrase. You may or may not have read it, depending on your translation. But what it means is every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. If you're saved and you believe Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're called to be a minister. What does that look like? It looks like you being Jesus with skin on in your community. You going and being Jesus to your neighbor. You going and being Jesus in the workplace. You praying for your family that don't yet know him. You're the minister. If someone needs healing, you're allowed to pray for them. Jesus is with you. In the middle of July, you'll see there, prayer that moves our reality. Phil Brown spoke a really great message on prayer. And I've, I've got the verse that he used. It was the genesis of his idea. And he read it from James chapter 5. Let me read it to you again. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Who's that talking about? You. Elijah was human. He was a human being just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And there was no rain for three years and six months. And then Elijah prayed again. And the sky gave rain. And the land sprouted a harvest. What am I trying to convince you of here? Your prayers matter. And your prayers are effective. And your prayers can shift your reality. We just had testimonies given of answers to prayer. And why am I sharing these testimonies? So that you would believe that your prayers can change your reality. In the middle of July, I shared a message. You may not remember it, but there was this big board here that I drew the message on. It's kind of a message you want to watch rather than just listen to. But I shared with you this idea that we're called to live as priests and kings in the same way Jesus is called a priest and a king. And I made this statement, Jesus ministers as a priest before God and administers heaven before men as a king. And so can you. And so should you. Jesus administers before priest, as a priest before God and administers heaven before men as a king. I mean, there's a lot in that. But what does it mean? We can hear God's voice and act on what he says. I'm trying to show you a glimpse of what God's called us into. This, this, I've shared this slide before, so I won't, I won't talk through it, but I, I share it again because it's so pivotal. This is one of those slides you want to probably take a photo of and meditate on. This is a list of characteristics of kingdom culture that God gave us several years ago. I think it was 2017. And it says, God says, when you're living in kingdom culture, when you're living with the realities of heaven, this is what your life looks like. And I would urge you to take this list and discuss it with a friend. I would urge you to pray over the list and say, Lord, if this is a tick list, which one am I not ticking? And which one do you want to help me with? 
This is the destination, and this is how our, when we live together like this, we live like heaven on earth. And that's my heart's desire. It's a picture of a crossing over. We as a people are crossing over into what God has prepared for us. We have a destination. I've been meditating on this verse this week from Ephesians chapter 2. And um, like, I might do some more work on this for later in the year because it's, it's just rich. But Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, God has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to use scripture to convince you that we should live a supernatural life. The way we live a supernatural life is acknowledge that God has raised us up. Very key point there. That's why I included it, because it's, it's not part of verse 6, but it's implied in the, in the sentence. It's God that's done the work. It's not you. It's not me. It's not your membership of the church. It's not your heritage. It's not your parents. It's, you. it's God that's raised you. It's his work. He has done that work. What has he done? He's raised us up. Paul is very specific when he writes it here again. Up to where? Heavenly places. That's our new place of abode. It's the place we live. And why has he done this? Well, together is a key word there. Look, in the middle, together. Why is that important? And I thought about it. Because connection and unity are essential in the kingdom. Connection, one with each other. And unity, meaning solidarity together. It's important. He made us sit together. Well, we're seated. What, is the, what does the concept of seated mean? It means that we're actually seated in a position of authority. Because if you're in, <coughs> if you're in the courtroom and you're <coughs> and you're a servant, you're standing. But if you're seated, you have authority. So you need to accept that while we have the heart of a servant like Jesus did, we rule like a king like Jesus did. It's the both and. Does that make sense to you? This is why you're saying we're seated in heavenly places. We're seated in a position of authority, and it's in Christ Jesus. It's not because you're cool. It's not because you wear the right T-shirt. It's not because you did all the hard mahi work in the, in the week and you serve faithfully. No, no, it's nothing to do with it. You're seated because of Jesus and only because of him. So I'm trying to convince you, I'm trying to help you to see that, that God's calling us to a new place. We've got to seed ourselves in the reality of heaven and live from that place. God's calling us higher. May we go higher. I had a bunch of scriptures uh, that I was going to read, but I'm just going to read the last one. Deuteronomy chapter 34. God changes our perspective. And the end of Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy is like the world's longest sermon, I reckon. But the people actually sat there and listened to Moses preach that one message. And at the end of it, it says in verse 30, 34, verse 1, Moses went up from the plains of Moab. He went up to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. So he took him from the plains and he went up and then he went higher. And from that place, the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. 
all of Naphtali, all of Ephraim, Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. So it's from the mountain on the wrong side of Jordan all the way across to the mid. It's a long way. But the Lord showed it to him. We can't see that in the natural eye. It's not possible. And the dude's 120. Strong, fit, but he's been around a while. But this says to me that Lord wants to take us high to show us what he's prepared for us in a supernatural way. What am I expecting? Why am I raising up a prophetic culture? Because we need to set our sights on the realities of heaven. The prophetic is a gift God's given to us by his spirit that we would see the realities of heaven and desire to possess them. We have an understanding and a discernment of the times of God to move in the wisdom of God, but in the reality of God. God's calling us up into this place. Now, unfortunately for Moses, the Lord said, well, actually, you're not going. Which is where we get the handover to Joshua. And it's Joshua that I want to focus on. Because Joshua was the one who God said, be strong and courageous as you lead these people. Joshua was the one, he said, meditate in the word of God that you would prosper and be successful in all that you do. And I just want to remind you again, says God, be strong and courageous. What's he saying to us? It's time for us to be strong and courageous. It's time for us to step out of the old and into the new. It's time for us to move in partnership with God to possess what God has got for us. And the crossing over is what we read on the same page. So Joshua chapter 3. What's the context? Moses has passed the leadership over to Joshua. They've buried Moses and they've honored him as the priest of God. And the people say to Joshua, well, whatever you say, we'll do it. Why? Because they believe God had spoken to them. So they were, along, they were connected and they were in unity. And then we get to Joshua chapter 3, which is where we're going to pick it up from. And we, we've got this instruction in verse 4. I just want to bounce through these verses to catch what God is saying to us in this moment through his scriptures. They were in the acacia grove and they got called out of a place of waiting. Verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and, and, and the ark, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. This is really important for us. God is saying to us, you haven't seen it before. This is not going to be familiar. This is not going to be a pattern. This is going to be fresh and new. And I want you to be ready because it's going to probably challenge you. And, and put that in context of what I'm about to share. Here's the thing. When God does something new, some of us get excited. But I'm well aware that others like to know what's coming. I'm well aware that others have been frightened by unsafe circumstances and change and are cautious. I'm aware of that too. But we've got to do this together. The crazy ones and the cautious ones must go together. Does that make sense? But God is saying, you haven't done it before this way. I mean, what if church ends up changing and it's not like this? Some of us would be a little bit upset. Some of us would be unsettled. 
Some of us wouldn't be sure if we would come. I'm not saying it's going to be. I'm saying, what if God does something out of the box? You know, what if we did one song and then three songs instead of two plus two? I was really tempted this week to change the way the seats were. You have not passed this way before. The Lord's saying this next phase you're going into is not like the past. You've learned from the past, but don't judge the new by the old. And I'm acknowledging that that's not a comfortable space for all of you, and I'm inviting you to do it together so that we can make sure we all stay safe in the journey. Does that make sense? Okay. Verse 5, we've already read, Consecrate yourself, because tomorrow you will see the Lord do wonders amongst you. Get your heart right. There's a personal call to purity. There's a personal call to purging. It's an ugly word. It's a confrontational word. People take offense by it. But purging is God turning up the heat so the dross in your life comes to the surface and he wipes it away. It's a beautiful story that I posted in Zion Family, um, and I'll, I'll put it up on the public page, about the silversmith who turns up the heat so that the, the elements is heated, the dross is cleansed, and they said to the silversmith, how do you know when the work is finished? He says, it's easy. I can see my reflection in the silver. God is turning up the heat in your life because he wants to remove the dross. It's called purging in order that you would be pure, that you would reflect Jesus to your world. That's consecration. Let's look at verse 6. The Ark of the Covenant went before the people. Why is this important? Why did I highlight this? Well, the Ark of the Covenant in those days represented the presence of God among the people. Remember, it was just symbolic, but it was, it was vital right through the days of Moses, through the days of um, David and, and onto the kings of, of, of Israel and Judah. But what does this mean for us? Every single one of us needs to cherish the presence of God in our lives personally. So there's, there's a cliche or a phrase that says, you know, we want to host the presence of God. What does that mean? Well, you could just say hang out with God. Is God everywhere? Yes. But it's about you being aware of that and connecting relationally. You know, we don't have music just to fill in time. We use music as a tool and the songs as prayers in order that you would find that space of personal worship with God, one-to-one, that you look into the eyes of Jesus and see how much he loves you. Cherish the presence of God. Make room for it in your home. Make room for it in your life. Make a discipline that you would connect with God personally. Make sense? Three of you say yes. What about the rest of you? You all right? Verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. There's one thing that's very, very clear to me. I mean, one of our values in this church is that we honor the word of God. We, this, this holy scripture is integral to everything we do. When, when you come on our Zoom prayer, you'll notice we don't pray what we feel like, we pray scripture. The leader has chosen a passage that God has highlighted. So the other day it was Isaiah chapter 4, 
And on Thursday morning, we prayed the verses and asked God to speak to us. Because we figure when you pray scripture, you can't get wrong off the, on the wrong track. The word of God is vital in this coming season. But it says this, look at this. Hear the words of the Lord. Well, there's only one Bible. So what does it mean? Well, we've got to combine the scripture with the fresh word of God today. And this is what I'm doing as I'm going through these verses. I'm reading you the scripture so you know what God did, and I'm bringing a layer to it, which is what I sense God is saying to us today. You're allowed to do that. It's called interpretation and prophetic insight. And it's up to you to judge that, and it's up to you to decide if you want to receive it, and it's up to me, before I even share it, to weigh it before God and say, is this something you want me to share? We've got to hear the words of the Lord. What does that mean? Have a discipline of getting the word of God into you. This word of God. Whether you just play it in your headphones as you're walking or doing the vacuuming. Whether it's a personal study time that you have in the morning. Whether it's a discipline of going to a Bible study group. You can do it a number of ways. But hear the words of the Lord. Honor the scripture and feed on it. Because you will be cleansed by the word of God but also honor the prophetic word of God. What is God saying to you? So um, one of the pastors in Hamilton that was in the church we were in up there, he always used to say, just read a verse and repeat it over and over again, asking God to highlight things to you. Just a good start. It's a really good start to get the word of God into you and to get the word of God from heaven. By this you shall know the living God is among you. Verse 10, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. I feel too, I've just got to build some confidence here that we, we need to be certain that God is with us. You know, it's been a crazy time since before March, everyone wasn't sure what was happening. Then we went to lockdown 1.0 and then we had 1.2 and then we had lockdown 2 and then like poor Australia at the moment, are, you know, my goodness, Tokyo, what the heck. It's uncertain times. A whole bunch of people lost their jobs. I mean, we're running counseling in schools. Why? Because kids are wrecked by anxiety and fear at the moment. Why? Because of their home life. It's a tough world we live in. We've had some shaking in the church even. And we've gone, oh my goodness, what the heck's happening here? If God wasn't in it, I would have thought it was the end of the world. But we have to be confident you will know the living God is among you. We've got to have confidence that regardless of what our external world looks like, our confidence inside of us is God is with me. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with you. Take that as a confidence. And if, and if the devil tries to steal that from you, tell him to go away. And if you don't have the strength to do that, get a friend to do it for you. Don't get caught alone. You get alone, the devil's going to beat you up. Oh, life's tough. It's really hard. I'm struggling. Well, stop hiding by yourself. Find a friend. Connect with someone. And the prayer of two will change something.
You've got to have the confidence that the Lord is going to drive out your enemies. And in verse 10 and 11, no, just verse 10, look at here. By this you shall know the living God is among you. You should have that confidence. Let's find it. And that he will without fail, without fail, he will without fail. Come on, the word of God needs to give you the confidence that God is going to do something for you. He will without fail. He's not going to half do it. He's not going to might do it. He's not going to only do it if you're good. He's going to do it without fail. Can someone say amen to that? I'm preaching better than you're listening at the moment. Come on. He's going to do it without fail, and he's going to drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And you go, well, so what? Who are they? Well, let me show you who they are. Your enemies are defeated, and God did a favor for you, and he listed them. And you're going to say, well, I live in Kiki. So I don't have no Perizzites. Mm. Well, the meaning of the word Canaanite means dominant one. But maybe your enemy is not the Canaanite. Maybe your enemy is greed. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's dishonor. What does the heading on the slide say? Your enemies are defeated. The Lord will without fail he go before you and he will defeat your enemies. You do not have to sit in oppression. You do not have to hide in shame. You do not have to sit back and worry and go, oh my goodness, life's challenging. I mean, yes, it is challenging. But stand up and say, the Lord has defeated my enemies. And if it's the Canaanites, then you cast them out. The Hittites used to cause people to be fearful and afraid. So, if this is your enemy, you're someone that struggles with fear and confusion. There's a bunch of people living in this place at the moment, wrecked by fear, tormented by panic attacks. And the Lord says, without fail, I will drive your enemies out before you. Your enemies are defeated. The Hivites, they represent impulsiveness and deceit. If you like to rush ahead and do stuff without checking with anyone, without being accountable, without being submitted to leadership, if you like to tell half-truths to get your way, the Lord says, I've defeated your enemy. Because what you think is helping you is stopping you from God's promise. This is supposed to be good news, people. You can smile. The Perizzites lived in a city that had no walls. And so scholars would say the Perizzites represent those that live in apathy or that are uncommitted to a specific place. And people say, oh, we don't want to join, we don't want to commit, we don't want to volunteer, we're just checking it out. Well, you've been doing that for seven years. Put some roots down. Be committed. Apathy in the church is why the church is weak in New Zealand. The Girgashites were people that lived in caves in the soil, and the soil and the dirt represent our flesh. So maybe for some of you, your enemy is just you. You go back to your old ways. You go back to your, your upbringing. You say, oh, it's just me. It's just my family. It's the way we were raised. I like to hit people. Stop it. 
It's not a good excuse. Oh, but it's a weakness I've got. It's like my Achilles heel. I just have to look at that stuff online. Stop it. It's not helping you. It's an enemy that seeks to destroy you. And the Lord says, without fail, your enemies are defeated. Do not submit to them again and again and again and again. Rise up and recognize that your enemies are defeated. The Amorites lived on the hills. They were called the high ones. And there are a whole bunch of people that like to be prideful, sometimes prideful about their righteousness. Look at me, I'm so holy and pure. Well, that's pride. Look at me and what I've achieved in my life, all my assets and my kingdom. God says, I will take this from you tomorrow. And the Jebusites, man, they were ruthless. They would trample people down on their way to their destination. No fear, no exclusion. If you're in my way, I'm stomping you. And there are other people that just, they just like to manipulate or exploit to get their own way. And, and like, trust me, like, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm like ticking the list as we go, guys. So I'm not saying, hey, I've got it all together. You sort yourselves out. I'm saying, come on, we have to get into this place where the enemies don't control our reality, but we understand without fail, God has driven out our enemies and that we can stand before him cleansed and righteous and say, enemies be gone. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. I'm hoping God's provoking you. I'm hoping he's calling you into a place where you go, shucks, man, I suppose I should just get rid of that enemy. But I'm inviting you to claim your freedom because it's done. By his stripes we are healed. Past tense, Jesus Christ. Done, finished. Come on. Let's just, this is a little bit cheesy, but let's do it anyway. Say with me together, my enemies are defeated in Christ. Say it again. My enemies are defeated in Christ. Yeah, you take a photo of that slide. I'm going to put these slides up on the podcast. We'll do that on the app, church app, so they'll be available. You can study them. You can look into it. You can check what I'm saying. But the point is we need to move on because we're crossing over. Therefore, take yourselves, says Joshua in verse 12. Behold, the ark goes ahead of you. Now there, take yourselves. Why is this important to us? Well, the Lord expects our participation. No passengers. We've all got something to do. We've got to be active in our faith. Now, we can lift up each other's arms. We had some amazing prayer last week, and we lifted up arms, and we felt together that it was a sign of commitment to each other. So don't do it by yourself. But everyone's got to participate. The Lord expects our participation. Then he says in verse 13, and it will come to pass. Like in the Lord's mind, it's done. Come on, hurry along, people. It will come to pass. When When we step into our role in the story, God moves in his. Think about this last night. You know, there's three parts to it. There's the promise. And we receive that. God does that by faith. He's so faithful. He's so lavish and generous in his love for us. He gives us a promise. We receive that. That's all him. And then at the end of it, there's the provision part. And it's all him. Because without him, we're nothing. He's going to do it. He's going to drive the enemies out. But in the middle is our participation, which requires obedience. Doesn't change the promise. 
And it doesn't change what God could do. But we need to be party to it. And it shall come to pass. When we step into our role in the story, God enables his. And so it was. When the people of God set out. Read the rest of the story today. Joshua chapter 3 and 4 and 5. Read the story. I don't want to spoil it for you. Watch the movie. And it was as the people set out. See, the word of God, for me, this is what's happened for me, the word of God gives the proof of God. Because if he did it here, he's going to do it here. And if he did it here, he's going to do it here. And if he did it here, he's going to do it here. The proof of God comes from the word of God. And all of Israel crossed over on dry ground. It spoiled the story. I didn't know if you knew that happened, but what's my point? All Israel. We can expect and we will see the Lord deliver us into the promise. What is the promise? Supernatural lifestyle. You, priesthood of all believers, us, praying for people in car parks, seeing people healed when we pray for them, seeing families reconciled, seeing people set free from oppression and bondage, deliverance, kids in our community that are struggling and suffering, finding healing and wholeness and confidence because the enemy has been defeated, but it's up to us to appropriate that victory. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want you to go away just considering what it looks like for you to cross over. What does it look like? Let's get the band back. I feel like we need a song. Is that okay, band? Can you just hustle? Is that all right? Thank you, band. Appreciate that. Um, I really felt the jam on song two. Can we do song two? And, and again, let's make this our prayer. But, but my question for you as I close, as we finish with the song, make it your prayer, but my question is, what does it look like for you to cross over? Something today is hopefully spoken to you by the Spirit of God. And let's cross. Let's move into that space. And if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're struggling with something, something that was mentioned today has gone trigger or ouch or help, then we've got people that will pray with you, stand with you, pray with you. Don't be an island. Don't be, don't be isolated. So we're praying that God comes by his Holy Spirit, moves in power and wonder and might, and leads us into the place of the promise where we see our enemies have been defeated and we get to live the life that God has prepared for us. We're living the life everyone is supposed to be living.